everybody, welcome to episode 61 of our weekly Cricket Hurt vodcast. We are at Falkland Cricket Club hoping to see some action in Berkshire v Wales in the final weekend of the County T20 Cup. Now Sid, um, it's been quite rain affected unfortunately the last few weeks of the, of the county competition but this is the final weekend. Who's won? Well, um, I think that overall you'd have to say the big winners were Kent. Um, I think Kent have proved that um, if there had been, you know, an overall tournament, that they would have almost certainly won it. Um, they've won all their matches, I'm pretty sure, um, and they've they've won very convincingly when they've done so, and they've also done so with a lot, without a lot of their, you know, big established stars. They had none of the England players playing, and they've also played several games with uh, regional players missing as well. So, you know, congratulations to Kent in that sense. Um, you know, and that just shows that, you know, the, the value of the, the county system and the people, players that Kent keep on bringing through. And we've seen uh, Grace Scrivens this year, for example, and we've said that Kent have had none of their big stars. I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of this season um, that won't quite be true because Grace Scrivens could well be a big star by the end of this season. I wouldn't be surprised to see her pulling on an England shirt before, you know, we're done with 2021. Um, so, you know, in my view, Kent the big winners. But of course, Raf, there is no real winner, is there? Because there is no finals day. There is no finals day. And that is a shame. I think that's a big missed opportunity there. I think that there's plenty of time in the season for the ECB to have organised, for example, next weekend for there to have been um, a couple of days of couple of days more county cricket whereby you get the winners of each of the regional groups you get them together um, and they play some comp um, some matches to decide who's the overall winner of the competition and um, we did have a, a really successful t20 county finals day up until a few years ago it always attracted um, good coverage in in newspapers um, and um, you know it always attracted a good crowd as well um, and that's kind of you know what we're trying to get for women's cricket isn't it um, is people actually coming along and watching at all levels um, and people reporting on the action um, and so to actually just get rid of that and to kind of not um, have any kind of overall winner this year I think detracts from the status of, of women's county cricket if you were being cynical you might argue that that was deliberate of course we are not cynical um, but there has been a sense I think this year that um, that women's county cricket has felt a little bit more um, a little bit like kind of almost glorified friendlies um, in the, you know the sense of there not being an overall winner um, there's been kind of um, stuff going on with um, can the England players play, which has been another question. Um, and um, the ECB kind of firmly put their foot down um, a, a little while ago and said no, despite the fact that a lot of the England players are kind of raring to get out there at the start of the season. They said no, we don't think that the England players should be playing county. Um, and they've kind of used this uh, COVID thing as, a, as the, the reason why. I'm not convinced that it's a particularly um, satisfactory reason in the sense of you have got players like George Adams who are going out one day playing for Sussex, going out the next day playing in a regional warm-up and going out the next day um, playing in an England warm-up um, and mixing amongst all those different groups of players. Um, so if there is a Covid reason, if they are concerned about there not being kind of bubbles around women's county cricket, which of course there aren't, um, then you know they're, they're perhaps... Um, why, why are they letting... Um, Play, players kind of freely circulate between the different groups um, it just seems like a, um, a strange reasoning to me 
Well, ours is not to reason why, <laughs> Raf. Okay, so yeah, that's been the the county season seems to have been quite short, um, but very sweet, of course, um, because you've got to see Berkshire again. Yep, and hopefully we might get to see them for a few minutes today. Um, it's currently sunny. Um, I'm not sure whether it will be sunny in five minutes' time there. We're going to see the sky evolving behind us as we speak. Okay, in other news this week, um, with the uh, Indian Tour of England coming up, which will be starting next month, um, the BCCI have announced the squad for that tour, um, and they have also announced um, that Ramesh Power is going to be returning as the overall um, Indian women's coach. Um, he, of course, uh, controversially um, left the coach role at the end of 2018 after a little bit of a spat with Mitali Raj, uh, very well documented of course. So Sid, we've got a new coach for India and there's uh, a squad that's been announced with some interesting selections. Uh, what do you make of it all? Um, well, I think the first thing to address is the you know the elephant in the room with Matali. Um, you know, obviously the the squad is picked by the selectors, um, but there must have been some discussion. You'd have thought, um, and that they must you know be thinking that he's made up with Matali and that you know that they're okay again. Um, you know, these things happen, and you know you you can get over these things and shake hands and proceed and agree agree to go forward. And I guess that's what they've done. So Matali will continue to be the the Test captain and the ODI captain um, for those games over here in England. Uh, we're still very hopeful that those games will proceed, despite you know the situation in India, unfortunately still being not great. But you know we're we're very hopeful we'll still be able to welcome the Indians. Um, uh, the other point um, from the selections is that Shafali Ver is named in the ODI and the test squads uh, which have of course not played an ODI yet despite having played a fair few T20s I mean that's partly because of the way the calendar's fallen but only partly there have been opportunities for her to play ODIs and they haven't selected her so the big question is are they going to select her for the test um, I think I've said before that I would like to see them do so you know she's shown that she can play proper cricket shots she can play defensive shots she can play classical shots as well as you know the huge slogs that you know have almost become her trademark in her quite short career so far um, and I think that actually she could pr really produce in the test and it will be really interesting to see her playing in that um, you know in, in a totally different format and I, I think she can do it that's that's my opinion I totally agree with that um, and I think that to add to that I would say that one of the um, things that we've seen in recent women's tests is sides being very defensive and playing tests very defensively and partly that's been um, a result of the fact that they are always, the tests are always part of the multi-format women's ashes so there's always a lot at stake and sides don't want to lose the test and actually what we saw last time around at Taunton in 2019 was Australia playing very defensive cricket um, and not feeling obliged to force a result um, or to actually play the kind of um, entertaining cricket that really we want to see in women's tests because we want people to be talking about the format and talking about why we should revive it. So if you have Shafali Verma coming in, um, I'm not actually so bothered about whether she plays some more kind of classical cricket shots. If we have Shafali Verma coming in and actually um, taking it to the English bowlers um, and being aggressive um, and really kind of, you know, forcing, um, forcing a result, um, whoever wins, it's a one-off test. Um, it's not going to be multi-points as far as we're aware. So there's less at stake, um, but there is a lot at stake for the future of women's test cricket. So how great would it be to actually have somebody being aggressive um, and really kind of taking the test by the scruff of the neck and so I think that Shafali Verma could really do that. Okay, cool. Now on a different note and a little bit closer to home, 
Um, this week there has been news um, about the Stump Out Sexism campaign that has been aiming to um, to uh, make things more equal for the women's and men's varsity matches which are played between Oxford and Cambridge universities at Lords. Um, now what we've always seen in the past is that um, the women and men's matches are generally played on the same day at Lords, but the men's match is always played on the main ground and the women's match is always played on the nursery ground, so the kind of training ground next to the main ground. And the Stump Out Sexism campaign, the people who are organising this, have essentially written to the MCC and said this isn't fair and we need to do something about it and we need to change it. In turn, the MCC have put the uh, ball firmly back in um, Oxford and Cambridge University's hands and said, well, it's over to you, but we can only let you have one day at Lord's. Um, and so um, the, they have basically said we're happy to, for there to be a double header T20, um, so for the men and the women to both get the chance to play on the main ground. Um, it's, it's kind of an interesting one, and we did put out a tweet about this, Sid, didn't we? Yeah, so um, what's what's really interesting here is it's um, when we described it as a microcosm for what's what's going to be happening within cricket over the next ten years, perhaps. Let's just look at this case to start with, and what we what we can see is that the MCC have clearly said, "Look, guys, there's just one day. Mm. There's only one day here. You do with it what you want." Um, and the MCC really are, I think, saying, you know, you need to accommodate those two T20s because that's what they've suggested. Um, and uh, you know, in that case, it's more of a, you know. It's, it's a definitely it's a very suggestive suggestion. Um, so um, what we're what we're seeing is that the men are kind of pushing back against that and going, well, but we've always played 50 overs for our game, and you know the, the, this this tradition should continue. Now, um, this is a case where in order for equality to be achieved, the men are going to have to sacrifice something. There's going to have to be some give from the men in order to get that equal situation. And it's all very well for the men to go, we demand equality, but we're not sacrificing our 50 overs. Well, that's not the way it's going to work. And I think that one thing that we're going to see over the next 10 years um, is that what the ICC and the ECB and Cricket Australia have achieved more generally is actually in some ways the easy part. What they've done is that they've kind of brought women's cricket much more up front, much more into the fold. But what they haven't done is spent a huge percentage of the pie on women's cricket yet. Um, so let's take the 100 as a case. You know, this, is, this is a chart. We'll put that up on screen now. This is a chart that uh, we tweeted some months ago showing the, the total player remuneration for, for the 100. And what we can see is that, you know, that the men are still taking the vast share of the pie because you've got men earning 100,000, whereas the most the women are earning is 15,000. So most of that money is going to men's cricket. Now what's clear over the next 10 years is that that pie is not going to get any bigger. There's not going to be any more cake. The only place that bigger pie could come from realistically is if Sky were in a position to, you know, vastly increase their subscriptions. But if Sky were to put their subscriptions up by £20 a month, they're going to lose loads of customers. Um, and, you know, that's not realistic to think that's going to happen. So unfortunately, we're in a situation where that pie isn't going to get any bigger. If we want to increase what the women are earning, then I'm afraid it's going to have to come from reducing a little bit what the men are earning. So the men are going to need to be giving over the next 10 years, and that's a real challenge for the ICC and the boards themselves, Cricket Australia and the ECB, to take on. Being able to divide that pie more equally, when the pie is limited, they can't grow it anymore. So yeah, that's my perspective on that, Raf. Okay. Um, 
and that's that's yeah i completely agree with what you're saying um about it being um a kind of a case of the men having to give something up um for for the women to benefit um and it will be really interesting to see what happens um uh, because uh, partly because um, to some extent the MCC have said oh well it's much too soon for us to change around what's happening this year and because of Covid they've decided that they can't have the four teams the two men's and the two women's teams at Lords at the same time um, so the women's varsity match this year is still being played but it's actually being played at Wormsley very nice ground um, I have to say if it were me um, then and I was the MCC um, or I was uh, one of the stump out sexism campaigners um, I would be saying well um, hang on a minute, let's have the men playing their varsity match at, at Wormsley and we'll play our women's varsity match at Lords. Why can't you just switch it round that way? I don't see any reason why that's not possible other than the lack of will amongst the men who, as you say, will be um, unhappy about giving something up. Um, and the other thing is that actually, I, I believe I wrote a piece on this um, probably about 10 years ago now, um, and I think it shows how much the conversation about women's cricket has moved on since then, um, because this piece basically, like, basically kind of disappeared into oblivion and nobody paid the blindest bit of attention to it at the time. Um, but I said it's really not fair that the women are always playing their varsity match on the nursery ground. Um, what they should do is every year it should just rotate between the two. Um, so one year the men get to play on the main ground a 50 over match and the next year the women get to play on the main ground a 50 over match and meanwhile um, the men's or the women's then goes on on the nursery ground concurrently. Um, so that would be totally equal, totally fair. It would still require some men to give something up because obviously some people only get one opportunity to play in that varsity match at Lords. but there you go, that's what's got to happen. So. Um, yeah, I've been calling for this for quite a long time and it's certainly welcome to see um, that I think that the MCC now feel that from a kind of PR perspective they can't just um, sort of ignore it and pretend like it's not happening. They actually have to do something about it and take some action. Absolutely. And finally this week um, we've had uh, well, quite a small piece of news in the 100 but one that has a much wider significance potentially and that is that Rachel Haynes uh, the Australian vice captain um, and you know clearly a very significant player has pulled out of the hundred so she was supposed to be playing for uh, the oval trotters or whatever they're called um, and she said you know no thanks you know and the concern here is that this is the going to be the first of many Australian withdrawals um, we have heard rumors over the past few weeks that the Australians were you know worried about coming um, they're worried about having to do what's quite a harsh quarantine when they go back to Australia. Um, there also there's some concerns, understandably, about what happened to the Australian men that went to the IPL, where you know they basically got stranded and weren't weren't able to get back for a number of weeks, and there was some concerns they might, you know, end up having to spend months uh, out of Australia. Um, so the, the Australians are worried about that, and it looks like that large number of them, if not all of them, are perhaps not going to come. Which you know. Well, Raf, what does that mean for the competition? Yeah, well, I think the first thing to say is that it's actually a really good demonstration of the point that you've just made about um, the slices of the pie in the hundred, um, or the slices of the cake, as I think you described it, because uh, you like cake. <laughs> Um, essentially, if you're an Australian female player um, and um, you're already earning a significant amount of money in a year, um, then actually the um, you know relatively small amounts of money that are on offer to you to come and play in the hundreds um, aren't aren't particularly significant. Um, and obviously, we know that the Australians are the best played team in the world, best paid team in the world, best played probably as well. Yeah, well yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so, that, you know, that, that therefore massively disincentivizes them to come, especially in the middle of a pandemic. And when, as you say, there is that uncertainty about what might happen and the potential for them to get stranded. Um, so it is understandable from that perspective. And I think it's it's actually genuinely going to be quite interesting going forward to think, well, if the ECB want your Meg Lannings and your Elise Perrys and your Rachel Haynes to be playing in the 100, are they actually going to have to do some kind of redistribution there um, in order to increase the salaries that are on offer to the women's players in the 100, um, to the top women's players, um, so that actually that gives some of the Australians a bigger incentive to come. Um, now, you could look at this um, from a kind of more of a global women's cricket perspective. Um, as people like Hypercourse have been saying on Twitter, it is a really excellent opportunity because there are going to suddenly potentially be quite a lot of overseas slots available um, for people to play. Um, so that might mean that, you know, somebody like uh, Chamari Atapatu from Sri Lanka, um, who hasn't got a contract in the 100 at the moment, or even um, people who we haven't necessarily seen playing in the Kia Super League. Um, so, I don't know, Afi Fletcher from the West Indies, for example those kind of players might get a chance to come to England and play in the 100 and really showcase their ability and we know that that's a significant advantage for players to be able to come and, and do that um, and obviously you know there's a financial incentive for them as well because um, players from the Caribbean and from Sri Lanka are much less well paid and, and so that's that would be great for them and a really exciting opportunity um, so that's brilliant um, however um, obviously from the perspective of teams like um, the Welsh Fire for example who have kind of built their team around these three Australian stars who they've got so um, they stand to lose out particularly by losing Meg Lanning, Beth Mooney and Georgia Wareham um, you know that's that's disappointing for them and it's going to be very much a case of having to rebuild at the last minute but also overall the kind of integrity and excitement of the entire competition and um, the ECB really needed to succeed and, and in order for it to succeed they actually need people to come along they need there to be big crowds um, and um, you know, unfortunately, at the moment, you are more, much more likely to get that if you've got a Meg Lanning or an Elise Perry who people have actually heard of and they're excited about um, than if you've got somebody like Affy Fletcher or um, somebody else like that who um, perhaps you know isn't quite as well known um, and therefore is less likely to attract that excitement around the 100 that, after all, is what the entire competition is really about. Um, so I think that if I was the ECB, I'd be very disappointed and a little bit concerned about, about what this means for, for the competition as a whole yeah it's unfortunate isn't it that um you know what what the name you want to see on the posters is elise perry or meg lanning and much as you know we'd love to see plenty of other people yeah. playing we'd love to see maddie green from new zealand to, to have an opportunity for example that would be wonderful and you know i'm sure she'd come in doing do an excellent job but unfortunately you know there's only one megastar and if she's not going to be here that's going to be not great Okay, well, we'll have to wait and see what happens um, with the with the rest of the Australians. Um, but I think that's pretty much it for for this week. So thanks for tuning in as ever, and see you in a week's time. Bye. Bye.